Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. Come in and do what you do. We thank you, Lord, for your presence here. Thank you, Lord, for the ever-present Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, you hover over this region, over this area, over our lives, just waiting for the release of faith, release of confidence in you, so that you can manifest your goodness throughout all the earth, and we love you for it, and we thank you for it. And we invite you in to share with us what is on your heart that we need to know today. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen. So we're going to finish, uh, well, we're going to continue. I should never say finish because I don't know what God's going to do. I know he's, I know it's going to be good. I know it's going to be full of the word. But yesterday we began talking about the spirit of shame and how to overcome that, how to combat it, why it came in, how it's, why it's so common. Uh, we talked about the fact that we are not ashamed. Why? Because we are redeemed from the curse of the broken law. So we have nothing to be ashamed of and everything to be confident and God in. Um, it's good to understand how this spirit operates so that you can stay out from under its power. Uh, you know how to resist the enemy. You know when when shame comes in to hinder our walk with God and hinder our progress, our forward progress in life, uh, then it's good to always know how to fight that and that we are redeemed from the curse. Amen. When you're redeemed, you have everything to feel good about yourself for. Amen. Uh, because God has singled us out to glory. Amen. He singled us out to be the people he wants us to be in the earth. And so uh, it's always good to to know and understand uh, what God is doing and, and how he's moving in the earth. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Come here, son. Oh, I think God has a word for you. <laughs> Praise God. You want to come up, Mr. Howard, for a minute? You stand right there. It's Ronnie, right? You stand and face me. It's okay. Yeah. Praise God. That's okay. Back front, hey, I've seen it all, as my dad would say. Just lift your hands toward the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for Ronnie. Thank you, Lord. Well, the Lord says you are singled out. Not in a negative way. This time, it's in a good way. The Lord says, I've singled you out for great things, son. You are a seed of greatness right now. You you have a seed of goodness and the good things of God inside of you. And the Lord is saying, I'm going to refresh your memory and some things. The Lord is saying, you've been dreaming of some things. You've been desiring some things. You've been waiting for an opportunity to step into some things that are deeply on your heart to accomplish in life. And the Lord says, if you'll take me as your partner, if you'll take me as a senior partner, I'm not a tag along and I'm not uh, somebody to hang around, but I am your senior partner, says the Lord. If you will receive me as your single partner in everything you do, the Lord is saying there's so much already laid up for you. All you have to do is obey me and walk in line with me and receive everything that your heart desires. The Lord says there's not anything you desire that's not good for you, that's not right for you, that I don't want you to have. Because I put good desires in all people. 
The Lord says where some people miss it is they think they have to do it on their own. And if you would only know that I am here to help you, lead you, guide you, I'll pay for everything. I'll open every door. You will lack no good thing, says the Lord. But take me as your senior partner in life and we will do great things, says the Spirit of the living God. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you just tell God, say, I receive you as my senior partner. There you go. That's all you got to do. It's all done. All right, brother. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. 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 Mr. Howard's a witness to having God as your senior partner. He couldn't do it. Can't do nothing without him, can you? But it's so smooth with him. Amen. It's wonderful. So praise God. So yeah, we're going to talk about how shame comes to inhibit us from doing the things that God wants us to do, being what he wants us to be. We talked about it some yesterday. We talked about the fact that shame came in with disobedience. But once you're obedient to God, that spirit has no rightful place in your life anymore. Amen. Uh, shame really came. It's, it's, you know, with the, some of the things that God released, uh, off on, on, uh, the man and the woman in the garden after they disobeyed, some of those things are protective when you think about it. Because if you are, are about doing things that aren't gonna be good for you or other people, you need something to hinder you. And so shame really comes to 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 hinder us from going forward in a lot of things that aren't right, you know. But then after you're saved and you're obeying God, it becomes an assignment against your life. And it will come as a hindrance. Now, when you're obeying God, you don't want to be shamed out of doing it. You want to have confidence. You want to have faith and boldness. Uh, so many times we're reluctant to obey God because of that spirit. It will come upon us and, and make us think what we're doing is we're not sure if our motive is right. We're not sure if it's going to work out. All that uncertainty is part of the package that comes uh, when God brought shame uh, because of their disobedience. But right after their disobedience, what did he do? He He gave them another promise. And he slew that animal and, and took the skins of the animal and covered their shame so that they could go and worship him. Be, you know, when the Bible says lift up holy hands without wrath or doubting, that is doubting that you're welcome in God's presence. Amen. Don't ever doubt that you're welcome in his presence once the blood is applied. Amen. You just always acknowledge that the reason you're there is not because you you didn't cuss nobody out or what you didn't do and, and what you did do on your own, but what he did for you. That blood gives you access to everything good in your life. And so understanding redemption, understanding what Jesus did at the cross to pay for our sins and pay for our misdeeds and pay for even our our dislikes our likes and dislikes that aren't approving to him to know that he paid the total price for all of it gives us the freedom now to go through life confident uh, 
when he he is with us confident that everything that we do will succeed and it will prosper and so when we talk about not being ashamed we're not ashamed of the word we're not ashamed of the promises we're not ashamed to speak what god is is telling us to speak i know that for the last three years we've done our declaration about not having this COVID thing you know and in many times i would leave here in the sanctuary and and the devil would say not people ain't believing that do you understand what i'm saying i mean it's just that simple folks i don't know about you but i get harassment from the devil and the minute you make a bold declaration, we ain't getting it, and she ain't got nothing to do with us, and we ain't have her, she don't have us, and we ain't getting it. Period. And then the enemy, if he can't stop you from declaring it, he will stop you from believing it. He will try and steal it from you in some way, or he'll harass you to get the jab anyway. You understand what I'm saying on your weekdays? Amen. You need to stand on the word. You know, be like Job. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. What's wrong? We don't want that. That's a bad confession. It's in the Bible. I've said it. You've been sick enough you want to die, you'll say it. Amen. But you go out trusting God. You're going to leave here one way or the other anyway. You might as well go out trusting God. Amen. You you let the devil know you're not scared of dying. He'd leave you alone. He's scared of them kind of people. As Paul said, he said, if I live, I live to God. If I die, I die in the Lord. What's the problem here? Amen. Don't live in fear. The Bible says we're not to be afraid of death anymore. Amen. Don't fear the, the devil. He can only kill your body. He says, fear him who can kill your body and put your soul in hell. So don't, don't sit around being afraid of these, you know, ideas people have. Now we're finding out a lot of that stuff was perpetrated anyway in a big hoax. And the vaccine is killing people. Be thankful if you took it, you ain't dead. You understand what I'm saying? We live on the mercy of God. Either way around, you're in his mercy. Amen. And we can stop this playing around with the world and being scared of this and being scared of that. What do you care? Amen? What do you care? Don't live in fear. And don't live in shame. Live in confidence in God and boldness in God. And go forth. Nothing can harm you. The only thing the enemy can do is try to keep you in a box somewhere. Keep you from going forward. Keep you afraid of stepping out. Once you stepped out, then he'll harass you some more. So keep stepping. Amen. Learn how to keep 10 steps ahead of him. Amen. <laughs> I used to kid with uh, Shannon Crowley. Uh, she, we used to hear those little old Irish proverbs. May I get to heaven 10 minutes before the devil knows I'm dead. Amen. <laughs> Just stay ahead of him. Amen. <laughs> so he can lay claim to you. So this is how we live as believers. You, you gotta live on the run. You gotta live on the go. And don't let him pin you down and threaten you. He can't do a thing to you. Anything he could have done, he'd have done it already. Now that you serve God, he can't do nothing to you. But try and harass you and slow you down and keep you bound up. So, so in talking about shame, we talked yesterday about some of the things that, that were associated with shame. Shame is associated with dishonor. Amen. Dishonor is bound up in the spirit of shame. 
it, it is a sign of dishonor. So when God honors you, that means you have nothing to be ashamed of. I don't care what you've done. If you've committed your life to Christ, you confess your sins. The Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you. You have nothing to be ashamed of. Amen. You have everything to be uh, feel good about, to feel honored and honorable. You know, Christians, we need to carry ourselves in an honorable fashion. Keep your word. If you tell you somebody going to do something, do it. If you're not going to do it, keep your mouth shut. Amen. And and when you understand that God is trying to bring you into a place of honor, then walk in that. Walk in a dignity. Walk in a a, um, a confidence in God. Let let your new apparel come out of the closet. Amen. Dress different. Act different. Talk different. Just be a new creature. Amen. Shame also is synonymous with defeat. When you when you are defeated, shame comes upon you. And I think that's one of the things that fear of of defeat is something that keeps a lot of us from stepping out in faith. Because the minute you want to obey God and do what he tells you to do, the enemy will come up and, and, and say, well, what if it what if it doesn't happen? What if you don't get it? What if God doesn't give it to you? Well, what if he does? Amen. And see, all of that is is conversation that goes on in our minds to hinder us from stepping out confidently and boldly in faith. Well, I'm not confident and bold. You got some faith. If you got teeny weeny, if you got uh, a church mouse faith, step out in that. Amen. That'll move mountains. Jesus said you only have to have a mustard seed worth. And step out in the faith that you have. But if the enemy can keep you from pulling your gun out the holster, you'll never kill him. And that's what he does. He says, well, what if you don't get, that's just a shame spirit talking to you, telling you that God's not with you. What if God's not with you? Well, what if he is? Amen. You'll never know if you don't step out. And so many times we have to use that shame as a stepping stone over into the realm of faith so that we can get what we need. If shame comes to you and starts telling you what's not going to happen, just step on it. Say, oh, you can be my doormat, right? I'm glad you showed up, shame. You can be my doormat. I can step on you on my way into my victory. Amen? And just let him have it right in his face. Let him know that you're not ashamed and you're trusting in God. The Bible says that when you trust in him, you shall not be confounded. Amen. That's our scripture, Psalm 25 and verse 3. Sorry, I should have given it to you. We had it yesterday. Psalm 25 and verse 3. Many, many of the, the uh, scriptures say the same thing about hoping in God, trusting in God, all of the things that, that pertain to just letting God be your confidence. Is, is what I'm saying and, and not trusting in your own strength. He says here in 25 uh, verse one, Oh Lord, unto the, thee do I lift up my soul. Oh my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. And that's what the enemy says when he tells you, Oh, don't do that. You know, suppose it don't, it, that's the, the shame devil. Suppose it doesn't happen. Suppose it does. 
Amen. That's that's where you are. You're in the hope and confidence that it will. He says, yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed, but let them be ashamed that transgress against your law. In other words, let the sinner take the shame. Let the sinner be ashamed because he needs to be ashamed. He's not operating in righteousness. But when we operate in the power of God, then we have the things that 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 we need at all times. Amen. So so we need to operate in the righteousness that God gives us. Instead of shame, we have righteousness in its place. Where sin brought shame, the blood of Jesus and the blood that God has spilled on our behalf brings righteousness to us. And the Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. You have a confidence when God's righteousness comes upon you. It's not arrogance. Amen. And this is what the enemy will tell us sometimes. You just, you sound, wow, you sounded rough. You sounded arrogant. No, it's rough to you because I'm not obeying you no more. See, you like it when I roll over and play dead, but you don't like it when I have confidence in God. So when your confidence is in God, it comes across a little different to people than what they expect the quote unquote Christian to sound like. Amen. But, but it is a confidence in God because you're expecting God to come through for you. So I'm going to read some from my notes that I had from yesterday. I didn't get around a, a to it, but I had some notes here I want to share with you. A shame is from darkness. So we've said that. Amen. It shows you the shame indicates that we're not supposed to have something. We're not entitled to it. But then righteousness lets us know that we're entitled because of what God did. Not you. You you couldn't obey God a good ten minutes on a good day without his help. And And if Christians could get away from taking credit for what they do right, you wouldn't take the blame for what you do wrong. Amen? Let the devil have the blame. Jesus took the blame and the shame so that we don't have to. You can't bear up all the, all of that and try to live a holy life too. Walking around trying to do good all the time. It, it's very tiresome. Thank God for the blood that paid for you to be forgiven. That anything you do right is because God led you in that direction. Amen. Yesterday I left here. I was running my big mouth preaching. And, and remember I shared that if not withhold anything good to do for someone, it's in your power to do it. See, I'm scared to say it now because you know what I'm saying. I was, yesterday I was thinking, I said, oh, I want to, I want a pound cake. I, I have to keep, you have to keep fresh, um, what do you call it? Um, uh, whipping cream. And, you know, I knew I had some, but I said, eh, it probably ain't fresh. I got to go out. Aldi's got the best price. I hate going in there. I, I wrestle with the cart, with the quarter. Getting it. Now, everybody else can come and pull a cart out of there just as easy. And I got to, it's fighting me back. You fight to get in there. You don't want to be in there. You fight getting out. So I finally get in there. Some lady, nice lady, just gave me her cart. I said, thank you. I won't have to get mad at the cart thing. So I finally get in there, and I notice this woman. She's got a couple teenage boys, and they're helping their mom with the cart. And 
I examined her cart. I said, oh, I'm not getting behind her. That cart was full. So I, you know, you keep an eye on them people. You, cause I'm just getting my whipping cream, but I kept going around the store. I said, Lord, why am I in this store? Let me out of here. And I get the whipping cream and I got to get something else. Got to get something. I keep running into this lady and her kids. And so I finally get to the cashier. She's way over there. I'm, I said, Oh, I got it made. I'm not behind her. So, so then the cashier opens up another lane and she switches us around. She put me right behind that lady. So anyway, the lady, well, she's halfway through. So I just relax. You know, my patience kicks here. So, uh, uh, I kind of relax. And, and so there I am, you know, behind her and there's a girl behind me with two packs of chicken talking on her phone. I said, honey, get on up there. You can get it. You don't have to wait for me. Yada, yada, yada. Be nice. Be nice. Be patient. So when I get there, the lady, up, instead of getting checked out already, she's still there. And I said, why is she still here? So anyway, she was, she had the cashier checking her total as she went. I've been there. You understand when you're on a limited budget, you can't spend over. And the Lord told me, he said, you give her some money. And I'm like, I don't have, you know everything, God. (laughs) So I did have, so I gave her a $50 bill. I put it in her hand and I did like that and I pointed up there and she collapsed and she was so stressed about getting that. She got these big growing kids. You understand what I'm saying? She needs it more than I do right now. You know, God will bless her in the future. But then I thought about it. I said, Lord, you wrestled me with, with me this whole time. It's amazing to me sometimes what God will do to bless you. Don't ever think you're not important to God. Don't ever think he doesn't see what's going on. Don't ever think that he won't move mountains to get. Because I'm telling you, I was a mountain yesterday. I was not going in there. I didn't want to be in there. And I did not want to be behind that lady. And he put me there anyway. And he said, you, he said, you've got to operate on your own word. I said, Lord, I'm just thankful to do it. I'm glad I had the ability to help this woman. And, and when I got to the cashier, the cashier said, Oh, lady, thank you. She said, she just was so nervous. Her hands were shaking. She was so thankful. I said, I know she was, honey, because God told me to do it. You know, when the Holy Ghost shows up, he solidifies everything. He lets people know. And I told her, I said, happy belated Mother's Day. And she took it and she just went on about her business. But this is what you have. You have to be willing to follow through on what God caused you to preach, caused you to tell. Next time I keep my big mouth shut, I'll let y'all do what y'all do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But but these are things that that God will have you do in boldness and confidence. Now, if I were the type of person that thought back and forth. Well, I don't want to embarrass nobody. I don't want to do this. And I don't, I don't know how it looks. I don't mean, we never would get business done. You got to be bold enough and confident. God, this is a need. You take care of needs. Whatever. If she don't want it, she can say that. If she, whatever, you know, just let the chips fall where they may. But I try to move when God tells me to move. And that way people can receive what he's doing for them and know that God sent them to do it. But shame will keep you from doing good, folks. It'll want to keep you in a box. And then you go home and you think, Oh, I sure hated to see that lady do. Well, you had the means to help her. Why don't you do it? 
You know, just just got to leap over your flesh. You got to leap over a few hurdles to get over in that place of obedience. But when you get there, it's a tremendous blessing for everybody that can receive of that. So anyway, our natural man, in our natural man, our speech is secure in what we see, think, and feel. So this is this is where shame has an effect on your confession. And I think that's where it, it cripples us the most, is in what we think, what we feel, what we believe, and definitely what we say. If our stance is challenged, we may waver in our confidence in God. For instance, when talking about gardening, we may have confidence in what we know, but if we talk to a professional, our security in our own ability wavers. Amen. And this is what happens sometimes when we, when we speak the things of God. We're not sure. We're not certain. You know, we, as best we can know, we believe God told us these things. We believe God wants us to have good things. We look for what we call the rhema from God, where he's, it's not just a scripture on a page in the Bible, where he actually speaks it to our hearts. We internalize it. He lifts us up into it. And so we get a sense that God is speaking to us for something that we need and we we need to do. When we first speak God's promise, we may waver, especially because it's natural to question the accuracy of our thoughts, our desires, our words. You know, the Bible says the heart is deceitfully wicked who can know it, but God has given us his heart. Amen. But then you got that, that thought playing in you. Does God really want me? Did he really say that? Did God really want me to have that? Did, did he really promise me that? Is that really what he wants me to have? And so that mental wavering is something we may have for a good period of time. Just second guessing, questioning, second thinking. And then shame will come along and tell us we're not entitled to it and to let it go. How many times have we had a thought that we liked and we want to see it come to pass and we really believe God was going to do it only to labor with that thing for a season and then finally say, well, maybe that wasn't for us or not to be so enthusiastic about it anymore. And see, that's part of the shame syndrome where he makes us feel what what makes us feel disqualified and unworthy is that shame. It, it makes us want to. Eat our words and take them back. Like you don't want to say anything. Who do you think you are to say something like that, that God's going to do for you of all people? And so when you find that judgment and that shame coming to you, you have to find a way to override it. It's just like the enemy did in the garden. When Eve, when he asked Eve what God said about that tree, he he made her doubt. He said, did God really say that? said, hath God said and that's the same thing he does with us. We get a good word from God. We get a prophecy from God. Did God really say that? Half God, did God, no, he, he said that about somebody else. He didn't mean you. You got me? Well, who else did he mean? Amen. We're all working for God. You know, everybody's struggling the same way. If it's for anybody, it's for you. 
Amen. Anybody can can uh, believe God for his promises. Many times we we want to feel confident, but but we don't feel the real confidence that we need to. You know, when you first got saved, there was doubt in your mind about your salvation when you would go and do things you shouldn't do. And then eventually you got convinced. Amen. And that's all God wants us to do in his word is to get convinced that he's talking to us. Get convinced that he wants to get convinced, get convinced. You won't get convinced going to the word every now and then. You've got to stay with that word. You've got to make that word a part of you. You've got to make, and it's worth it. If you'll make it a part of you by continually meditating on the word, it's well worth it. The things that God has for you will come to pass. Amen. So the things that, that we, we know that are given to us, like salvation and healing, we can walk in faith and confidence on things like that. But I can tell you an area where it gets a little slippery and it gets a little tough is the area of wealth and prosperity and finances. Why is that? It just seems that there's more of a struggle that way. You know, eventually, if you stay in the word long enough, you'll get confidence that you don't have to receive sickness in your body. And your mouth will stay away from sick talk. Your mouth will stay away from uh, going to hell talk. You can get you can get solid in those two things. Amen. Amen. I think we can. And so most people, they're solid on their, oh yeah, I'm saved and no doubt about it. Close the door on shame, doubt, and anything else that might try to get you. We can do the same thing with health and healing. You might struggle sometimes with symptoms, but at the end of the day, you know you're healed. Because you know you ain't sick and you know you don't want sickness and you don't want anything else. But the thing where we struggle most, I think, is in the area of finances and the area of wealth, personal wealth and prosperity. Because that's so easy for the enemy to get our attention onto the natural in that realm. See, and with sickness, you might walk symptom-free for many, many years. So it's it's kind of easy to build your faith for this is a way of life. I don't have to worry about being sick anymore. You understand what I'm saying? You get a confidence there. You get a boldness there where the enemy doesn't hinder your confession and your faith and your words anymore. But money is one of the areas where it gets very, very hard for us to get solid in it. For us to get a solid in God wanting to prosper us. Why? Because money... it's money is assigned to us for a reason. It's assigned to us for certain purposes. And it's hard to be your own accountant to make sure you got everything where it's supposed to be, you know, as far as, I don't know, I'm, that's the way I am. I try to be faithful with what God puts in my hands as far as, as finances are concerned. But it's easy to mess up on them. Because in your mind, the enemy can put you under pressure to do something quickly where God might say, trust me for that. And before you know it, you're overdrawn on your whatever you depended on and you're down to zero again. And you keep thinking, well, how did I get to zero again? I was building up. I was doing fine. I was on the top all of a sudden and all of a sudden it falls back down again. Part of that reason is that there is a thief 
out there who has so many ways to steal from us. He steals from us in our giving. You know, in your, in your heart, you want to give abundantly, but you start looking at the natural and you think, well, you know, I'll get there. Uh, abundance, what's that? I got to see some abundance. You got to send me some abundance so I can get some abundance. You know, we argue with that giving. I mean, it's terrible. You know, you know, the Lord told me one time, he said, he said, you know, I, I give you seed that produces after its own kind. He said, if you got to want money, you got to send money to get money. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so I thought to myself, I said, because, you know, when you start out in God, hey, God, all I have is my hands, my feet, and my mouth. Use me. Then he starts to bless you financially. All I got is, I said, "Uh uh-uh, sister. Come on now. I done patted you down. I done frisked you. I know you got a $10 bill in the shoe. You got a 20 over there. You got, uh-huh. So he starts patting us down for the goods. And see, the Bible talks about unrighteous mammon. God doesn't, he doesn't elevate money like we do. We elevate it because it gets scarce and it's known to have been scarce in most of our lives. Amen. And so it's that scarce commodity that we feel is so elusive and is so hard to get a handle on. But if we would treat money like we do everything else and not elevate it, not make it scarce, not make it, you know, all that kind of stuff, just treat it like a normal commodity. Amen. I know most of y'all ain't buying that, but I'm, I'm working on it. You know, I'm working on it. Amen. You exalt God. He's in charge of all of it. The cattle on a thousand hills belongs to you, to him. And he will supply every need that we have abundantly. But, but I think the, what we need to watch more, I think, than, than what's coming in is what's going out. See, that's the only thing you can do anything about. You can't do nothing about what's coming in except grab it as quick as you can and go put it in a sock somewhere. But we can control what we give. And that's the best way to control what's coming in. So if we would focus on our end of it, what we are giving, what we're doing with it, our stewardship, that's the best way to ensure more money, more money, more money, more money, more money. Amen. We like to be in a place where we don't have to be concerned about things. You don't have to count every penny. You don't have to, to stretch your brain. You know, I pray for that woman yesterday that she would get to a point where she would know God's abundance. And I know she will. You understand what? Cause the seed's been sown already. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes when people do good things for you, you want to get in a position to do that for somebody else. That's just normal. And and, and I believe God's going to get her there. Amen. She's not going to be watching it all the time. And so, but in, and if we want to live that way, the only thing that we can do is is control what we release. And one of the things that we release is our confession. Amen. We release what we say about things. Shame will come, first of all, on your confession. If you go to Romans chapter 4, we'll see what God wants us to do. When you start living with God in heaven, 
you are a totally different person. You operate differently. You think differently. You speak differently. One of the ways that we speak differently is we have to speak God's language about things. God calls those things that be not as though they are. Everything that he talks about is active, present, ready right now. It's not coming. It's not in the future. It's now. And so we have to learn how to translate our wants that are future into God's language, which is present right now. Amen. So in Romans 4, 17, starting in verse 13, it says, For the promise that Abraham should be heir of the world. Now think, Abraham inherited the whole world. Not just what he was walking on. But why? Why was this his his inheritance? Because that's what Adam had. That's what his father had. So God, the church, we are the final possessors of heaven and earth, folks. We are heirs of the whole world. That's why God says go into all the world. He wouldn't tell you to do that if it didn't belong to you. If it weren't possible for you to do it. Amen. And he's not talking about just depending on a plane ticket or somebody getting you there. He's talking about look at the world as belonging to you. Look at the world as being your inheritance. Look at the souls in the world as being people that you can speak to for me on my behalf. And he says here that he should be heir of the world. It was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For they which are of the law uh, are heirs. If they are of the law made heirs and faith is void. So we know faith is higher than the law. Verse 16, therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace. God doesn't want you working to earn anything with him. He just wants you to believe him and act like it. And he said to the end that the promise might be sure to all the seeds. So anybody can believe God. That's how we get what we get. Not that uh, only which is of the law, but to that which is also of the faith of Abraham, who is a father of us all, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations, before whom he believed even God, who quickens the dead and calls those things that be not as though they are. So Abraham was able to receive what he got from God because he started to take God at his word. Not that you will be the father. You are now the father of many nations. You are now the father of a multitude. You are now. And when you start to believe God that you have it now, guess what happens? It shows up now. Amen. It's never in the future when you use your faith in God. It's always in the now. That's how he brings dead things back to life. By calling them now what they will be in the future, but he sees it now, he calls it now, he says it now. He says, you're that already, as far as I'm concerned. In other words, if if God has wealth in store for you, he sees you wealthy already. The first thing you need, need to do in believing is start thanking him for it and quit struggling over it. Amen? Just start thanking him for it and, and, and consider yourself going out to receive the reward of your faith. Your paycheck is not you, you going to work every day. 
It's the result of your faith. Amen. Now you got to go to work to show up and get it. Then people got to know who got to make. And when you get there, please be a good employee. Don't be sitting up there with your feet on everything and talking to everybody and sipping coffee all day long, acting like you own the joint. Don't be an eye servant. Be a diligent worker. Be somebody people wants to see coming. Amen. Just exemplify Christ on the job. And when really what you're doing is you're going there to collect what your faith is, is produced for you. You're not there to please a boss. Cause some of them ain't gonna like you. But they'll do right by you. Why? Cause God tells them to. Amen. Everybody here is obeying God. And so God begins to call things that are not as though they are. He did this with Abraham and Sarah. They struggled for many years trying to find the will of God, trying to obey God and do do what God wanted them to do. But there came a day when God took away all the reproach from them. He made them different people. They were converted. They were different. When when he shows up for for them to to finally tell them he's going to give them a son from the two of them, he changes everything about them. In uh, Genesis chapter... 17, Abraham, it says, was 90 and 9 years old, and the Lord appeared to him, and he said, I'm the Almighty God, I'll make a covenant between me and you, and Abraham fell on his face, and God talked with him, and he said, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations, he says, and your name, and the way you're going to know it, he says, I'm going to change your name. He says, your name is no longer called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham for a father of many nations. I have made you. So God leaves off talking in the future when he changes his name. You've been changed. Your name has been changed to righteous. You're not a sinner anymore. Not who you used to be. You've had a name change. You're a daughter or a son of God. You're a child of God. You're in a different family now. So when he changes your name, everything that he has for you is available to you in the now. He's, it's no longer you're gonna have. It's you possess it already. Amen. Once you're an heir, you have your possession. Once you're adopted in the family of God, what else do you need? To get what you need from him. You're already in the will. All you needed was the adoption papers. So when you said yes to Jesus. You were adopted by God's family. And you're in the will. You're in the covenant. Everything he has is yours. Amen. All you got to do is believe it. And act accordingly. Now natural parents will put it on a time schedule. But God's not a natural parent. That's why he tells you. You have it already. Amen. You know, in the natural, when people, wealthy people, when they see their kids getting too concerned about what their inheritance is, they start watching them. Ah, it's the truth. They better. Amen. The, the, the prodigal son asks for his stuff. Some of them don't ask for nothing. They find out, well, is so and so, what's I'm going to get when daddy die? Huh? And sitting there waiting for daddy to die. Or some of them try to help him. You got me? 
And so when they start getting interested in what they've got coming, a natural parent would get suspicious. But your daddy doesn't. He tells you up front is yours. Amen. You don't have to wrestle with him. You don't have to fight with him. You don't have to plot to kill. You don't have to bombard heaven to go get what's yours. All that kind of crazy. Why would I bombard something I got already? I have that. He told me I have it. I don't know what he told you, but he told me I have it already. Amen. I'm an heir just like Abraham. I'm Abraham's seed. If Abraham had it all first day, I got it all first day also. Amen. God just let Abraham walk it out. Sometimes we walking out our flesh, walking out our unbelief, walking out our doubt. I'm going to say it again. See, that's why we sometimes we think it's taking so long. All we doing is walking. God's making you tired of trying to do it yourself. Tired of distrusting him. Tired of trying to do it otherwise than by faith. He did that with Abraham and Sarah. They went and had a son on their own. Thought God said, well, let's do it this way. God never said any such thing. God comes 13 years later and explains to him, you know, remember when y'all had that? Well, that ain't the boy I was talking about. Y'all going to have a boy I want you to have. The way I want you to have it. Everything my way. Amen. I wish I had somebody to cue. Okay, don't worry about it. Listen. Amen. But God does things his way. And be thankful for it. Amen. And he'll let you try it your way. He'll let you wear yourself out. He'll let you do your stuff. Just like he did Abraham and Sarah. He didn't hold anything against them. He didn't come to them and say, well, I guess you ought to be sick of doing it your way by now. He never said any such thing. He just tell them, hey, guess what? I got something new for you. This is something you've never tried before. It's called trusting me. Walking before me and behaving yourself and doing what I tell you to do. And that's what he tells him. He says, I have made you, 17 verse 5, I have already made you a father of many nations, and I'm not changing my mind. I'm not taking it back. Are you with me? Can you go with me on this wild ride one more time? Amen. And he says, I'll make you exceeding fruitful. I'll make nations of you. Kings shall come for you. I will establish my covenant between me and your seed and their generations for an everlasting covenant. I will give you and your seed after you the land where you're in a stranger, uh, the land of Canaan, and I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, therefore, you'll keep my covenant, you and your seed after you. And he's talking about the covenant of circumcision. So as long as Abraham circumcised everybody that was born in that house, God provided everything for them. That that was and that holds now for the Jewish nation. The reason they're still here is a per, don't you know that about Jewish people? They, that's what they do. They keep that covenant with God that has kept God's hand of blessing on them, kept them alive, has kept it. He said, as long as you keep this, I'll take care of you. And they're still here. Been here longer than any race of people or group of people that are thought of. Amen. And so God then begins to call them who they really are as far as he's concerned. 
And I think God has a person who we really are, as far as he's concerned, that sometimes we have not seen yet. Why? Because we let the devil shame us out of it. He talks us out of it. You go to make a confession about what God has told you. God said he's going to do this, that, that, and the other. And and shame comes and binds your, your words right, makes them go right back down again. I shouldn't say that. Well, if I say that, it's going to look like this and it's going to look like that. And so what we have to do is take on the vision of God for for what we need in order to support who he says we are. For Abraham and Sarah, it was many points of contact for them to identify as parents, the both of them as parents. For a long time, it was just Abram by himself. And, and then when God came and, and told them that Sarah was going to have a child too, they thought it was a joke. They laughed at God. But God turned that laughter into a point of contact for them because every time they thought about that and laughed about it, that put shame to flight. See, if you can laugh at the devil, that's, that's like the crown in your jewel of faith. Most people consider what he says instead of considering only what God says. Well, sit and think about it for a minute. Well, maybe I shouldn't say I'm healed already because I still feel this. Or we'll let uh, symptoms distract us. We'll let how we feel take our attention away. We think, well, maybe I should take this or maybe I should take that. Or maybe instead of standing on the word like you've been doing. See, you were doing good standing on the word until your mind started to shift elsewhere and your attention got over it. The, it, the only thing that's keeping us from what God has for us is how much attention we pay to it. Proverbs 4.20 tells you what to pay attention to. And over and over again, we let our attention drift. We think it's something new other than same old, same old. You know, uh, you know, you'll have a pain and it used to be over in this leg. Now it goes over to that leg and you think it's something different. It's the same pain. It just jumped over into a new location. So the devil will do anything he can to you to take your focus off of God's word. Because where God's word is, that's where his promise is. Where God's word is, that's where your health is. Where God's word is, that where your that's where your finances are. And God wants to get you to the place where you focus totally on the word of God and what he's going to do. You need to one day just take a day off and sit up and, and, and go on the internet and look at all the different words for money in different languages. Oh, okay. Ooh, that's a new one. I'm going to try that one. I'm going to try that one. And confuse the devil. When you start talking about God send me X, X number, whatever, whatever, put it in a different currency. And let the devil be confused. He said, what is she talking about there? I'm going to let that go because I don't know what that is. Amen. Try something different for a change. Instead of just worrying about when it's going to come in, worried about when am I going to get it paid off. I used to tell my husband that sometime. I said, I said, we got bills all the time. He said, yeah, we always owe somebody something. He never let it bother him. Then you get in church and everybody's debt free. They talk debt free, but all of them got credit cards they paying off. 
So don't get caught up in somebody else's fantasy about life. Amen. You let God, you let God be your God. Cause a lot of us don't live in that place where we totally debt free and everything, but we working on it. It's a good thing to work on. But in the meantime, you got to live, but I wouldn't let it worry me. I wouldn't let it, it, it be my main concern unless God puts it on your heart to do it that way. Don't let it be your main concern, but you're going to owe somebody something pretty much all the time. You, the utility people you owe, you owe for, for different things, you know, and, and bills and so forth. So, but, but you're not in debt to anything. Amen. You, you can pay it off. You're not over your head. And that's really what God wants us to be aware of is that there is a way for him to make us uh, on top financially, debt free financially. All of the things we want, he He will, will bring it to us. Amen. When shame is involved in something, it's sometimes you can, can want to make a good confession about something. Say, for instance, you want to make a good confession confession about your business instead of shame instead of saying you know if you have a vision in god you know god i'm going to have a worldwide ministry i'm going to have a worldwide business i'm going to have a business with unlimited income i'm going to have a a six figure a seven figure business one day and i thank you for that i thank you lord i have it now amen begin to call things that be not i have a multi-million dollar business in jesus name the shame devil will come to you and try to get you to think about it again. And then you think you say, um, well, it don't have to be seven figures. Why not? Somebody's going to make it. Well, you don't know what I do for a living. You don't either. You don't know what you will do one day. But you want to make that claim now. You want to make that declaration now so that that, that makes room for your faith to grow to that level. That makes room for you to get to that place. Amen. There are some people that make that kind of money. Why can't it be you? Especially if you have God on your side. Amen. See, it's, it's, it's easy for us to shrink back when it comes to the financing. Amen. Cause number one, we don't know what it takes to do all that. Well, you won't ever if you don't make your declaration. Amen. But you will get to know if you start declaring it. God, I have a multi-million dollar business. God, I have a business that will take, that will employ many, many people. I have a business that will do, you know, people like, you look at Ford Motor Company. Henry Ford was a tinkerer, you know, and he wound up with all that just from tinkering. Amen. The tinkering grew. Until it began to get people's attention. It began to employ more people. It started out as a seed. And then it multiplied from there. And that's all God is trying to get his people to do. Is start out with that seed. But call it where it's going to end up. While it's little. Instead of calling it little. While it's little. Call it the way it's going to end up being. While it's little. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, that's more like what God sees. God sees it fully developed before it's even there. Amen. Same thing he did with Adam. Everything God sees is fully grown. Adam didn't start out as a baby. He was fully grown when God made him. That's the way God envisions everything. Your wealth is fully grown when God sees your Your children are fully grown. God sees them doing great things as adults. 
And see, we get hung up on them teenage years. Not even that, the toddler years mess some people's heads up. Huh? It's like, if I don't kill him before he gets four, you know, he'll make it kind of thing. <laughs> it's true. And so God sees the end at the beginning. And we're looking at the beginning and trying to limit, uh, to limit where they're going to go based on that seed beginning. When you're a seed, you don't have everything fully developed. And God wants us to talk about things the way he talks about them. Full grown, fully expressed, fully capable. Everything that all capabilities that, that they need are there. Many times the atmosphere will cause shame to come. You ever said something that got out of your mouth and you said, I don't even know how I confess that because my brain is telling me that ain't possible, that ain't right, that ain't God, let me stop, amen? And the atmosphere will not support your dream. It won't support what it is that God's put inside of you. Many times. You can you can even look at yourself in light of what's, what others have done that have done the same thing for a living and you think you don't measure up. So you've got to begin to call those things. They won't happen if you don't call them. Nobody's going to put you in jail for calling them. Nobody's going to, God's not going to be mad at you for calling them because that puts him on the spot. Amen. And that allows him to be able to do more for us. We're able to expand our horizons and expand what we, what our possibilities are because we allow our faith and our confession to express that. It doesn't matter what you do for a living, what your age is. And sometimes people, well, I'm on a fixed income. Your income's never fixed. It's fixed by God. You know, I mean, if the government went out of business tomorrow, God's going to still take care of you. So you need to just X out your your subsources and deal with the primary source. God is the primary source of everything in your life. Amen. A lot of times we try to go by man's rules and regulations to prosper. And God wants to skip some steps with us. You know, it's just, you know, you it's certain jobs that, you know, if I, well, if I get uh, this degree and I get that degree and I get that degree, you know, God will, you know, I'll get a promotion. I'll get, you don't know what God has in store for you. You might hop, skip and jump over all them people. You got me? Somebody might put, go through your personnel record and put uh, some degrees beside your name. On a piece of paper, they don't know. All they know is, is, oh, yeah, come on in. We see you got so-and-so degree in X number of whatever year. We owe you money. Come on in and get your money. You need to start declaring things that be not as though they are. I have my seven figures. I have my X number of employees. I have my whoever, you know, people underneath my my umbrella. Amen. I manage a certain level of people. All that kind of stuff. We need to begin to call that in now. Call it now as though it exists right now. You know why? Because it does. In God's mind, it exists. In God's heart, it exists. It's there now for us. You're not You're not making something up. This isn't some kind of fantasy or make-believe god would not have told abraham he says i have made you the father of many nations he didn't just think of it yesterday 
This wasn't something God cooked up overnight to give. He's talking from eternity. All of the things he mentions to Abraham about his his people are eternal things. He says in verse 6, I'll make you exceeding fruitful. I'll make nations of you. Kings will come out of you. I'll establish my covenant between you and your seed and every generation for an everlasting covenant. So if it's everlasting now, it was everlasting the whole time. God saw him that way the whole time he's been dealing with him. Just like he sees us. He sees us struggling. He sees us fumbling the ball. He sees us, but he still comes back and reassures us that he has the best in store for us. He has good things in store for us. He began to, to, to buy Abraham and Sarah back out of a defeat life that they were in when they first, when he first met them, they were over worshiping other gods. God, the first thing God did for them was he broke, he broke poverty off of Abraham. Abraham came out of Egypt and it says God made him very rich. So he took the reproach of poverty off of them so that they knew God was with them so that they can survive. You've got to come out of poverty so you can live, folks. And I'm not talking about, I'm talking about the very rich that Abraham had is available to us if you will let God put that in your heart. What we do sometimes is we start God will want to put something in there that's on his level, what he sees. And we'll want to put something in there on our level that we see. So it's up to you. If you want to live just on a natural level, you don't need God for that necessarily. You know, just look him up when you're about to go to heaven, ready to die, and and then let him work for you. But if you want God's best throughout life, start looking at the way he calls things. Let God give you a vision for what's coming. He gave Abraham and Sarah a vision for a son that they would have together when they were both past age. Amen. Oh, God, you should have come earlier. Gee, we felt more enthusiastic. Yeah, right. At 77 and, and, and 70. How enthusiastic could you even be at that age? But God approaches people at the right age for what he wants you to do. Never doubt that. Never doubt what God's doing based on age or anything else. But he gave them a vision of a son that they would have. And they laughed about it. And the more they laughed, the more their faith grew. I'm going to say it again. The more they laugh, the more their faith grew. It would have to. They said, oh, wow, he's going to give it. See, a lot of times when God tells us things and we don't believe them, we don't mention it anymore. We don't think about it anymore. And we don't try to, oh, that's not for me. I, you know, I can't do that. And then we drop it out of our awareness. God's the one who has to bring it back to us. And so he began to, every time they thought about having a baby, they laughed. And they laughed. And the shame left. And the embarrassment left. They were ashamed when God first said it. Sarah said it. She said, am I, what, what, at my age? This is going to, you're going to do this for me at my age? She would have been embarrassed to, to go in front of her friends. But at her age, she was able to. Why? She left the shame. She laughed until the shame left her alone. 
she kept laughing about it and the shame was no more and it couldn't hinder her and keep her in the place where she was and that's what we need to do we need to address Shame. God, I'm not ashamed. I'm going to declare my multi-million dollar business. I'm going to be, I've been wanting this. Uh, if you've wanted something for at least 15 minutes, <laughs> you can, you can believe God for the best. Amen. And some of us have been wanting more from God almost like forever. Amen. Since we've been grown. So that faith is grown. We are accustomed now to the idea of it. You let your mind get out of the shock of having six figures. Being able to, to do things without questioning whether or not you can afford it anymore. All that kind of stuff. See yourself in that place. Amen? See yourself if you want to be there. Talk to God about it. Say, I'm not trying to push anything on anybody. You know, this isn't pushing. This is opening the door for you to understand that it is possible. And you start with your confession. You start with calling things what they are the way God sees them. Amen. You start calling things that don't exist in the natural right now as though they do exist because they exist in glory. You're not asking for some imaginary something. You're asking for something that really is there. God has it waiting for us. And the only way we can get it is to receive it. And we receive it with our confession, first and foremost. God, I call myself. If you're, if you're without housing, adequate housing, God, I thank you for a wonderful home, for a comfortable home, for a home where I have every room that I need, a, a, a home that has excess room. I have room for company when they come up. Begin to declare those things instead of sitting back wondering. And this is what we do with our minds. We abuse our minds. I'm going to say it again. We abuse our minds. We abuse our imaginations. Why? We sit up in worry. We sit up in fear. We say, oh, I can't have that. Every time God tries to, to, to hit us a ball under over our side of the net so we can keep it, we bat it back with unbelief. Oh, I can't have that. Oh, it's too late for that. That's too expensive. Amen. I said that about the last, not the last house, the house before this one. I, it, you know, afraid to go up a couple thousand dollars more or whatever it was to put you over into the realm where you could see possibilities. And God has shut the door to every, some of them houses I'd looked at for the third and fourth time. They weren't the right house the first time and they ain't going to be the right house after that either. They're going to be worse. And one day I was in the shower. I said, God, give me a house that's wonderful. And the minute I said the words, I could feel the faith on them and it scared me. I was trying to get them. I, I hit the shower curtain, tried to pull them off the shower curtain. You understand what I'm saying? Cause that was my fear was wonderful. Wonderful costs money. I'm a widow. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Wonderful is a lot of upkeep. You know, I don't need nothing that's going to give me no stress. Wonderful is this wonderful. You know, you lie to yourself trying to bring God down to your level. When God's not going to operate on our level. And thank God he was merciful to me. I should have known better. I should be able to speak those things, you know, after you spent some time meditating on it, worrying about it, 
trying to feed yourself the word to get rid of your fear and your anxiety and your worry, after you've done all that, you should be pretty solid in what you want and what you believe. It wasn't out there yet. The only thing left was to go into a higher price range, you know, which it scares you. I've moved up price ranges several times already. Amen. And so when I did that and I finally decided, I well, God, let me just put it out there, you know, whatever, you know, I'm going to gonna trust you and, and you'll call the realtor. And I said, well, we've looked at everything. Why don't you go up to another 25? That's all it was, $25,000. Doesn't seem like much. And God is so merciful. When, when I finally found the house, he gave it to me at the price I wanted to pay anyway. See, God doesn't want us to be afraid of anything. He doesn't want his children to be afraid of a higher category financially. He doesn't want us to be afraid of, of trusting him to get us over a level that we set already. You understand what I'm saying? He wants us to be comfortable at all levels. The earth is his. We're his heirs. When are we going to start acting like it? Amen? And so uh, when I, I finally got it and I realized after a while that God was looking out for me for this day where I would come to many years later. You understand what I'm saying? Because the house, when I finally sold it, it had doubled in value. So I was able to to get that pay cash for this and have money besides. More money, more money, more money. God is trying to prosper me. You got me? And it doesn't come on our schemes. It doesn't come on our understanding. It comes from trusting him and putting your faith out there. Even though it was reluctant faith, he honored it. Amen? Anytime God has to twist your arm to you yell uncle and call something that's not as though it is. I mean, I mean, seriously, that's what he did to me. I wouldn't have said wonderful in a million years. That wasn't my vocabulary. Affordable, adequate, nice. You, you understand? And God don't talk that language. I found that out. He doesn't talk nice. He doesn't talk. He said, what do you really want? What's in your heart? What's in your wildest imagination? That's what he wants to know about. Amen. If it was about your pocketbook, go out and get what you want. But we're talking about dealing with God and what he can bring to us to show us that he's God. He wants to show off to his children sometimes. He wants to show you your true potential. Not some kind of made up stuff we get off of the internet. You know, okay, you a queen, so put the tiara down, go back to your nine to five. You know, we heard that already. You don't believe it, and I don't either. Do you understand? But, but when you go into the word, you start to dream with God. You get the vision of God. You get the understanding of God for things. Amen? When we first started the ministry, I, I thought, wow, healing. Wow, God, that's, that's something, that's something big. That's, you know, I looked at, you know, the mighty people who had healing ministries. And God says, yeah, and I'll use you to do that. I, I looked at Gloria Coleman. I said, wow, that'd be nice to be. He said, I don't love her anymore than I love you. He said, I'll use you to do the same thing. And he has. You understand what I'm saying? He talks to all of us the same things. We can have the same things as everybody else that's serving him. Amen. And more besides. Why? Because you're involved in it. 
It's according to your faith. It's according to your relationship with God. What can you believe God to do? What can you, you go into his word and let him make a scripture real to you? You know, I, I spent many days meditating on, you know, what kind of property I wanted, what kind of, I knew some basic things about it. But once God stretched it out into the real realm, it was bigger and greater than I ever thought it would be. That's what he wants to do with everybody. He just needs your little puny confession. You got me? And trust me, it wasn't much of a confession. When you try to take your words back, come on now, what kind of faith is that? But he honored it. He needed that little mustard seed to work with. You know, it's like, you know, I felt like, uh, you know how sometimes your kids can be at the dinner table and they it goes down the wrong way and you just hit them on the back and they spit it out. Well, that's what I felt about my confession. I was choking and gagging on it and he slapped me on the back and I spit it out anyway. Do you understand what I'm saying? It was not voluntary. And he honored it. So if he does that to get you to give him something to work with, trust me, he don't need much. Not much at all. I don't advise it as a lifestyle, but, you know, it gets you in the door. Once you start understanding, though, that God expects you to speak his language, start calling it there, start calling it in, start calling it as it exists in glory. God, I receive that property that you have for me. God, I receive that new building. I receive a larger sanctuary. I receive, do you understand what I'm saying? All of the things that we need. Quit complaining about everything. Complainers have no faith. They have given up already. Amen. When you start to decree a thing, God will let you see it. Amen. If you're crazy enough to say it's there, he'll let you see it. Amen. Abraham began. He was a visionary. Abraham, he took God literally. He said, oh, you're going to have a bunch of kids. You know, Abraham, after Sarah died, he got married again, had more kids. He kept believing God. He never stopped believing him. The father of many nations. Well, my wife's dead. I guess I'll get married again, have some more children. And he did. Amen. The same thing with his children. When when Abraham would look up, he saw his children. When he would look down, he saw God flooded his mind with the vision that he had for him. Flooded his mind with it. When he would go somewhere, he said, just look as far as you can see. I'm going to give that to you. That's yours. Every time he used his eyes and his brain to focus on what God had for him. Continually. Can you be a Bible fanatic? Yes, you can. Get in there and find something you really want and let God witness to you that it's yours and start walking in his footsteps and trusting him for what he had. He passed the same thing on to Isaac. Isaac went and meditated in a field. So you knew that was his habit. He was a visionary. He was a meditator. He imagined things. He let God use his imagination. And he looked up and his wife was there. You got me? He he imagined what God had for him. He kept it inside of him in a visual. Start visually seeing yourself. 
start visually seeing yourself with with your more employees, with your second addition to your business, whatever it is that God you believe God has for you. Start seeing yourself there already. Nobody going to put you in jail for what you're thinking and believing. But you can put yourself in jail for what you don't declare. Amen. So don't lock yourself up in the everyday. Don't lock yourself up in the what you can get on your own and, and not, not, not put God on the spot. He ain't on the spot. He's God. Amen. He's where he, he's everywhere all at one time. He's where he wants to be. But I know he wants his people to begin to talk like he talks. Talk his language. Call those things that are not. I am healed. I am prosperous. I have, and get, when you talk about prosperous, start getting specific about it. Put yourself on the spot for believing. Amen. I have so-and-so. I have this. I have that. Yes, I have it. It's mine. God gave it to me. Amen. And I have it now. People say, where is it? It's in here. It's in here. It's in glory. And move because it's on the way. It might just land right where you stand it. Little witch, when that house fell on your sister, you were very upset. So, so, so my multi-million dollar business is going to fall right on your head in Jesus' name. Amen. Why do we stop? Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for great things. You're a great God. You promised it. We're your heirs. We're not beggars. We're not asking for things, anything that you don't willingly give us. Because you freely give us all things. You're a free giver. You don't begrudge us anything. You don't tell us we don't deserve anything. Why? Because you qualify us for everything. Amen? There's something we're not qualified. You are the great qualifier. We thank you for that, Lord. We bless you. We praise you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on, I'll pray for you.